Welcome to Round Hill Radio, the podcast from Round Hill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we talk about when we talk about faith. Today's guest, Lisa Salvatore, is nationally licensed and certified in the field of alternative wellness management, fusing formal studies of nutrition and allied health studies with physiognomy, aromatherapy, massage therapy, and aesthetics. Redefining health and dietary advice, Lisa's philosophy is about personally discovering what nourishes you, what feeds you, and ultimately what makes your life extraordinary. We welcome our friend, Lisa. Well, Lisa, welcome. Thank you. Good Ra- to be here. Round Hill Radio. We're yeah. delighted you're here. And... Um, we are eager to learn a little bit more about meditation and your experience with that over the years. And I know that you've been a guide for people and you've learned that yourself. So uh, maybe you could talk with us a little bit about how meditation came into your life or how you brought meditation into sure. your life and how that's evolved a little bit. Sure. It was an interesting uh, process. I, I, my, I think my mother always knew that I didn't I beat to a different drum. Uh-huh. And so when I was 16 at Greenwich High School, there was a gym teacher there. And she decided to introduce yoga, ah. which in those days was an interesting concept. A big introduction. It was a big introduction. <laughs> and, and so I got into yoga, and I remember the distinct difference having that class when we were in Shavasana at the end mm-hmm. and going into a little bit of a meditative state, which she would guide us through. Mm-hmm. And again, that was pretty progressive mm-hmm. in 1975 mm-hmm. at, in Greenwich High School. And so I remember that distinct difference of having yoga those mornings versus having archery or tennis. Right. Uh-huh. So that's what first got me into it. So what, what do you think it was about that that uh, caught your attention? Well, I, you know, I think when you're in high school, you know, you're, you're at a very, very different, very challenging time in your life mm-hmm. uh, with all of your peers. And Greenwich High School was a huge, we had, we had maybe 800 people in our graduating class. Wow. So that was a lot of people to yeah. come together with a lot of different um, personalities. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of pressure there in high school. Mm-hmm. And so I, for me, it was uh, just this calming factor. Mm. And I, as I said, I always remember going down the student center hallway and having this peace as I entered into this massive center huh. where there was a lot of sensory overload. Yeah. And so do you so. feel it was meditation that brought you into a different way of feeling and that in turn sort of captured you a bit? Yes, feeling, thinking and feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think the feeling is the key word there. Yeah. And uh, from then on, I I always, I just took a different path throughout my career with alternative health and healing. Mm -hmm. And then um, I ended up later on and years later studying with uh, Sarah McLean at the McLean Meditation Institute in Sedona, Arizona. Okay. So there was a point where you made a transition from this is a practice that's sort of un- gradually unfolding in your life, and then it becomes something a little deeper, right? M- yes. More serious. Yes. That happened. Yes, because I, I think at the time you, you recognize that you become far less uh, reactive and much more responsive uh-huh. when you're a meditator. And 
uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, misconceptions about meditation too. Uh-huh. And and so I, I think what we need to really look at is the just the pure awareness of it. Yeah. For each person. What do you think are some of the misconceptions that people have about? Well, meditation? a lot of people think that you have to sit cross-legged and uh-huh. burn, burn incense and candles and. I'm and, relieved and, already. Yeah, there you go, and uh, and you'll you'll be in next, and then cross-legged, <laughs> and you know we don't have to do any of those positions. We can just sit comfortably in a chair. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are hand mudras and which are positions that we can put our hands into. Uh, it's really not about any of that. It's about going inward and having some stillness. Mm. And I, I think, again, people, well, I have thoughts. I can't do it. Mm. Well, you know, there's where neuroplasticity comes in. So uh-huh. we're designed to have anywhere from sixty to 100,000 thoughts a day. You're not going to stop the thoughts. Right. You're just going to observe yeah. them Yes. as they go by. And, and also, I think, uh, you know, being kind to yourself. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sticking with it. Letting go of the expectation. Yeah. Um, one of my students once said to me, and I love the question because he was, he's a great athlete, and he said, how do I get better at it? <laughs> Tell me how I get an A yeah, in meditation. Yeah, I thought the only way I could answer that is I, there isn't a right or a wrong, mm-hmm. and there isn't about getting better. It's just about sitting down and doing it. Yeah, the practice itself. It's just a practice, just like anything else. Meditation is a training. It is a practice. So there was a time, uh, Lisa, it sounds like when you made a shift from becoming, obviously, maybe it's true to say you're always a learner in this, uh, in this practice, but maybe became a guide also for others. Uh, was there a, a, a really defining moment for you when that happened? You know, I, I, I don't know if there was a defining moment, but I, I think that uh, because of my alternative practice, I was always sort of uh, guiding people anyway mm-hmm. in, in different aspects of health and healing. Mm-hmm. But then um, I had uh, a loss of my father, which was a profound loss for me. Mm. And that's when I really got into meditation more and decided, hmm, there's really something to this. And there's a shift that, that I need, that I'm going through right now. And uh, when I started doing more and more meditation, I realized just how powerful it was hmm. on a psychological and a spiritual level. So was that something that helped you with the loss, uh, to grieve? It did. Uh, uh-huh. It did greatly because I had had a lot of distance uh, from my father at the time. Okay. And so it was a wonderful way to, to grieve, to go inward, to um, share memories and thought and feeling and... Uh, and the happy times too. Sure. Yeah. So it was it was a wonderful wonderful time for me to be experiencing that. I loved your comment uh, that that meditation is something that helps us helps us to be less reactive and more responsive. Yes. Yes. So we're we can be a pretty reactive culture. And do you find that it takes time in the practice in order to make that shift from reactivity to responsiveness? Uh, it, it does, because again, it's in a, a training. And, and uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, our wonderful Buddhist mm. monk, once said, meditation is not evasion. It's a serene encounter with reality. Wow. And okay. I think that that's really what happens is that you do deal with reality. Mm-hmm. And so whatever that takes for each person, each person has a different blueprint. So each experience will be different. But I, I would say, yes, it does take a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Part of the the thing that I'm being aware of uh, or have been aware of, especially in the last couple of years, is the growing interest of corporate America in meditation. Um, how do you feel about that? Are there parts of that that you uh, admire and want to see flourish? Are there parts of that that raise some question marks for you? 
They raise question marks for me. Okay. Yeah. Can you say more? Sure. Uh, do I think it's a wonderful idea? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I think it's a wonderful idea to say that, you know, if we have a guide come in and teach our corporation meditation, that means you're going to be more productive. Mm-hmm. That's a big mistake. Yeah. Now, will, can that happen? Of course it can. But that person may become so productive that they decide they don't want the job anymore. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're going to experience shifts and things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. You open up to a different uh, landscape and a different, a higher sort of intelligence, if you will, with your, with your intuition. So I don't like the marketing behind that. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, which is why they, they call it mindfulness mm. in corporations. And so really, what is mindfulness? It's just moment-to-moment awareness without judgment. Mm-hmm. So they go hand-in-hand. Hand. Right, right. Are you a little concerned, too, that, the, uh, that meditation might be yoked to, you know, the corporate America's desire to enhance the, not only the productivity, right? But performance. The, but the performance. Yes. So in a really strange kind of way, it might wind up becoming um, less helpful to people. Uh, is do you see that as also another kind of concern? I, I do, because then then there's that drive. Again, we want you to produce. We want you to become uh, great at this performance or whatever job you know, you're know you doing at the time. And I just think that can be counterproductive. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about uh, the growing interest also in other areas to bring meditation or mindfulness, I think also as it's, it's called, in into the educational world? And specifically, um, you know, I've been hearing about this in terms of elementary schools. The filmmaker David Lynch yes, has yes. has his own program to try to export that. What do you think about that? I think it's wonderful. And, and recently I have been uh, viewing and reading and seeing about um, young children with detention. So mm. instead of detention, oh, they send them to meditation. And they're having incredible results. Detention might be... Uh, filled with hundreds of students here in search of peace of mind. Right? Yes, it, it could be. It can be. And I, and I think it's a wonderful way to be uh, more gentle and more kind with the children right. and, and let them think about, why did I do that? Yeah. You know, what was it that made me strike out in anger? Why am I here? Mm-hmm. And just allow them to be. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that soul is really just a pure awareness. Sure. And I think it's wonderful for kids. Do you think um, it's... So it sounds like it's both very freeing when you have this moment when you can step out of the flow of life in a way and become aware, but maybe also disconcerting. Uh, oh my gosh, I didn't know all these feelings were going on in yeah. these thoughts. What mm-hmm. is? Do you find that your students experience that or do you experience that? And what do you... What do you tell them at that point if they say, you know, I, I love the way that this makes me feel sometimes, but it also really kind of unnerves me at other times? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. And I, and I think uh, the, the best way to deal with that is just allowing them to have that space and create and hold that space for them to let them know that it is perfectly okay. Mm. And this is just part of, you know, the um, decompressing, if you will. Sometimes we'll have pain in meditation, or we may get angry, or oh. we may giggle, or we may uh, cry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a wonderful release. So I like to let them know that that is a really welcoming feeling and that it's perfectly normal. Mm. Uh, what do you think um, about the different ways in which various cultures come at this? Uh, are there insights you've picked up over the years about the way that meditation might be practiced uh, in 
another part of the world, in India, for example, as opposed to Germany, as opposed to the United States? Or is there a commonality about it? Uh, what, what do you feel uh, Well, I, certainly uh, different cultures may have different ways and methods and techniques from um, you know, TM, transcendental meditation, versus mm -hmm. uh, metta, you know, loving kindness, or uh, the Buddhist or the Hindu. But at the end of the day, I think no matter what it is, it's, it's even um, the same with prayer, really. Prayer mm -hmm. is really you speaking to God. Mm -hmm. Meditation, I, I think, is more a way for you to let the Spirit speak to you. Mm, that's a great distinction. So I, I think that if you look at those different cultures, in the different religions, it, it all boils down to the same thing, is, is how we create that stillness and how we create that openness and awareness. And it, it even goes into non-duality and uh, the concept that really, really are all one. Yeah. So this, this idea that meditation puts you in a receptive space, do you think there's a part of us that just longs to be in that zone because we're so often... You know, again, expect it to produce or consume or so on. Um, do you think we have a yearning just to, to be in that space? I, I think we do, and I think that's the one thing um, that I like to convey most to people. Yeah. Is to about coming home to that breath mm. and to that calmness and that stillness. And then it's wonderful afterwards to be able to, if you wish or if people wish, to share and to talk about it. And, and we do that here mm. at Round Hill, and, and we provide and create that quiet and stillness for people to share or not. Again, no pressure, mm -hmm. no judgment, mm -hmm. being kind to yourself and, and sticking with it. So for me, there's always a deep yearning. Mm. What is yeah. the practice uh, that you've experienced at Round Hill? How often does that take place? And well, we're here uh, every other Thursday mm -hmm. at 6.30 in the meeting room. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have a nice growing group mm. and... Uh, you know, sometimes it, it, it depends on what's going on in the world. Sure. Of mm -hmm. how it's going to affect all of our meditations. Mm. There's times where, like last week, we had just total giggles and laughter afterwards. But again, <laughs> there's where you are creating this, this spaciousness. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Uh, do you find that there's a different quality of doing this when you're in a room? I mean, obviously, when you're with other people, things can happen, laughter and so on. But is there just a, a different quality about it as opposed to doing it on your own very profound okay with a group can, of people can very profound because that? well if you think about what we are in matters of energy when you get together with a group of people mm. meditating in a room it's powerful mm -hmm. when you're at home even though we like to say that sound is never a barrier to meditation We've got the dog barking or, you know somebody knocking at your door uh -huh. or, or or not even in your own stillness, it allows you to, I think sometimes you, you tend to start thinking more, thinking, 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 which again is okay. Sure. But when you're in a group of people, there's something very supportive about it. Yeah. Uh, it's loving and uh, it's right where we need to be at that time. Sure. What do you say to people, Lisa, if they're just coming to you maybe for the very first time and they say, I've heard a little bit about a meditation. In fact, I heard these wonderful things that Lisa said on Round Hill Radio podcast. <laughs> and so I want to take a first gentle step in this direction. What would you say to someone? Well, I can say that they can do it. Yeah, there, there's a right. right? You, it's you, doable. You, you can do it. It's doable. And just to sit down and, and welcome Mm. Welcome the stillness. And it's uh, you usually, um, I always hear, 
oh, I can't, I just think. I think too much. I think, I think, I think too much. So I like to debunk that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because over time, I'm assuming that once people, at least I think this has been my experience over the years too, that once that settles a little bit, it may take time, but it it kind of resolves itself in a way. Uh, well, you know, it's just like anything else. In sports, you need a trainer. Yeah. Uh, it's the same thing. You, you're practicing something. Yes, yeah. And if you just think about that in itself, I, I think that, that that gives you that foundation to know that, it, listen, this is just a practice. Mm-hmm. It's not about getting good at it. Right. Yeah. It's just about doing it. Just stay with I, it. I love the, here, here's what I always tell people. Well, I can't do it in the morning because morning is really your best time. Why? Well, because we're not, we're just awakening. Mm. We're not looking at our iPhones or computers or feeding the dog or making the coffee. We're just rising from a deep sleep, and that's a beautiful time, mm. the best time, really, to meditate. Well, I don't have time. I get up at 5.30, and I say, well, get up at 5. Or get up at 5.15. <laughs> 15 minutes isn't going to hurt you. So. You're, you're exactly the kind of guide we need. <laughs> just stay on the well, path. Well, because we, we tend to, as humans, will come up as ex- with excuses not oh. to go inward. Right. You know, listen, we all do it. I could do it too to say, oh, gee, I don't have, no, I'm going to have the time because I'm going to create that. Right. Uh, Lisa, is there a thought that you would like to share with our listeners, thought for the day? There's a thought that I, that I love and I, I sort of live by, by the famous Sufi poet Rumi. And it's let yourself be drawn by the stronger pull of what you really love. And there's different Beautiful. variations of that, but I think that that's very true. And and to listen to what it is that you're drawn to. Wow, Lisa, thank you so much. It's been wonderful to have you on Roundhill Radio. Ah, oh, thank you so much, and thank you so much for having such a great congregation here and and having everyone be so welcoming to meditation. Yes, yeah, it's been a wonderful really appreciate environment for that. Gratitude to you all. Great, thank you so much. Thank you. Blessings. To you too. Thanks for listening. Round Hill Radio is brought to you by the members and friends of Round Hill Community Church. You can find more episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and roundhillcommunitychurch.org.